Welcome to the Grow People Podcast, episode four with Pastor Jason, lead pastor at Revolution Church. My name is David Stein, one of the pastors here at Revolution. Uh, the purpose of the Grow People Podcast, to grow people. Two big things happened last night that we have to cover before we get into uh, the last couple of messages. Uh, number one, uh, Cowboys beat the Eagles. They did. Yes. How about them Cowboys? Uh, obviously a Cowboys fan in Pastor Jason. I grew up in Philadelphia. Um, I, I was actually uh, told, what did you say about the, the Philadelphia fans? I, I think you said we were, we were mean or dirty. Dirty. Yeah. Dir- dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I do remember the pork chop bowl. 1990. 19... I don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. 1990. Uh, Buddy Ryan, remember the head coach of, oh, of yeah. the Eagles? Yeah. Okay. So he was out out for dinner the night before with one of the assistant coaches, and he he actually choked on a pork chop. And <laughs> I'm not making this up. And and he had to have the Heimlich maneuver. Yeah. And uh, saved his life. Oh, wow. And Tech Schramm, who was the president of the Cowboys at the time, uh, he dubbed it the pork chop bowl. Oh, okay. So not a lot of love for the Philadelphia Eagles. No, and I noticed you said that you're from Philadelphia. You didn't say I'm a, an Eagles fan. You well, said I'm a Cowboys fan. You're from Philadelphia. I am a closet Cowboys fan. Uh, from from the time of everybody is from the, <laughs> from the time of Roger Staubach to to Tony Dorsett. That's and, right. Uh, but I had to keep it quiet as a child. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. In Philly, I mean. What was it when when y'all did win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. They had to like grease the street lamps. They did put like literally grease on there so they, that they wouldn't climb the, they, they the, the poles. They, they did. Uh, <laughs> you know, Veterans Stadium, the only stadium with its own jail uh, back in the day. Are you serious? Oh yeah, there was a jail at Veterans Stadium because there were so many fights during Eagles games. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Any hoodles? That was the first thing that happened last night. Second thing, uh, Pastor Jason had a little incident at his I workout. I did. Is that the setup you want me to say? What that, that, oh, is, okay. that is the setup. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For those that don't know, I train uh, in a martial arts called Krav Maga. And um, I like to say it's the biblical martial arts mm-hmm. because it is from the Israeli defense forces. But um, I've been doing, um, I'm on to level two now. I'm moving up level. It goes by levels, not by belts per se. So we were training last night and um, I was doing a move. And then I woke up and not woke up, got up. And my left pinky toe was like sticking out to the side. So I broke my toe. Yeah, they should not be at angles. This should not be at angles. No. So I, uh, but you know, I straightened it up, taped it up, and kept training. And, now, how, uh, t- how tough is that? That's your pastor right there. <laughs> taped it up, spit on it, rubbed some dirt on it, and went back to martial arts. Just went back to it, man. Right. And uh, yeah, so then I went and got it checked out afterwards. And so I'm wearing this really nice <laughs> tape and boot. And, uh, pretty sure it's broken, but I got to go later in the week and get it. X-rayed. Ah, don't yeah, we fine. Um, do you plan on the next time uh, we go to Israel uh, challenging somebody in the IDF? Well, I asked. You know, when we went to Israel a couple years ago, uh, I asked two of our guides if they, you know, because everybody in Israel has sure. to serve in the military uh, when they get out of high school, and they get trained on that because the two words Krav Maga are Hebrew and they stand for close combat mm-hmm. or contact combat. Sorry. Um, and it's, it's fighting up close. And so they all have to learn it. And so I asked them jokingly, I'm like, Hey, do you still know Krav? And they like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, I train in it. Do you want to do some moves? <laughs> I mean, it's like true tourism fashion. They just looked at me like I was the dumbest thing ever. And, um, <laughs> well, maybe when you get to level three, uh, maybe, you, you'll maybe, be- maybe I'll just come up behind them and do a move and see how they react. You know, <laughs> it is the grow people podcast. And 
there have been a couple of messages. We haven't had a chance to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, the last two messages that you preached uh, in John chapter 6. So one was the bread of life, and the other was not your father's bread. Mm-hmm. And there was so much. Uh, I mean, those could have been, could have done those for a couple of months. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, just those two chapters. But if you go back to John 20, and this is how we started the gospel according to John, going mm-hmm. to John 20, the purpose of the book of John, which is, now Jesus did many other things in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, mm-hmm. but those, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Mm-hmm. So here we come to the end of chapter six. Yep, we know the purpose of the entire chapter. Yep, the purpose of the entire book, rather. And then here you have all these people, all these disciples walking away from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the purpose, as you just said so eloquently, uh, of the entire Gospel of John is for people. I was pe- reading it. Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> well, you read it. You read it well. Uh, you, you have a good voice. Is for us to know Jesus. You know, that is the purpose. And we've come back to that several times throughout this series because we want people to know, like, as you walk through the book, um, there are going to be like principles that you can make along the way. Like the one in John chapter six, where about after the miracle, um, they go across the sea and there's a storm, you know? So I made a point in that sermon that a storm is a part of the story. Sure. Well, that's true. Um, and there's a lot we can learn from that, but that's not the overarching purpose of the entire book. The overarching purpose of the entire book is for us to know who Jesus is Mm -hmm. and believe in him. And by believing we have life, as John says, so therefore, every sermon should come back to that, you know, should lead back to that. And then specifically in chapter six, um, after the miracle of the, the loaves and fishes, the bread that's, you know, that was multiplied, Jesus enters in, into this long conversation with the Jewish people and his disciples about um, him being the bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a fundamental shift that takes place in that where uh, they reference back to Moses giving them bread, you know, when they were coming out of Egypt. And the shift in that chapter, which goes to the overarching point of the book, is Jesus is saying, listen, I didn't come to give you bread like Moses did. Right. I came to give you myself, and I am the bread. Um, and then obviously they have a lot of confusion about that and say, what do you mean you're the bread? How did you come down? And that's where Jesus really unpacks for them. I am the bread of life. And then he talks about eating his flesh and, and drinking his blood, which is, uh, as I mentioned, those messages, they're really we- weird concepts. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should acknowledge that because not everything in the Bible is easily understood. But when you dig into what he's saying, mm-hmm. w- what he's saying metaphorically is that's what communion is, the Lord's supper, why those symbols of bread and, and wine or blood, um, or symbolize why the bread and juice or wine symbolizes his body and his blood. And Jesus was saying, listen, to believe in me and have life, just like bread gives us life, gives us, allows us to keep living, Jesus is what gives us life. And the major point that Jesus was making there, which is why so many people left, and I would say the reason why that, I think that text was so powerful, because that's the same reason why people walk away from Jesus in 2021. Mm is they come to Jesus for something. They don't come to Jesus as something. Wow. Um, 
And that's the biggest difference. And that's the point that I wanted to make. And I think it's a point that we should always make in sermons. Um, and so the statement, I'll say the statement, the statement I said is we don't go to Jesus for bread. We go to Jesus as bread. Mm-hmm. And as I was having conversations with people in our church and just thinking about that concept, they're like, man, I never thought about it like that. Because so often we go to Jesus to get something else from him. Right. Um, and those things aren't bad. And it's not even bad. I mean, the father, you know, Jesus tells us to ask for those things. Sure. Um, you know, we want health. We want good relationships. We want success. We want whatever it is that we want as humans. Not all of those desires are bad. Um, in fact, most of them are good. But the, the thin line when it comes to belief and faith is if I'm coming to Jesus to give me those things, mm-hmm. And I'm seeing those things as the bread that I actually want that's going to make me happy or give me life. Well, Jesus is not going to play that. Mm-hmm. And that's actually will lead to, to me not having life and eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's, I think there's a lot of Christians, or only clarify, a lot of people that think they're Christians mm-hmm. because they come to Jesus, they're right around Jesus, but they're wanting something else from Jesus other than Jesus himself. Mm. Um, and Ven- I, a vending machine mentality. Yeah, I, I remember uh, John Piper used this analogy and was so helpful when he said it. And I think it's something we can all understand, especially in this day and age where we do most of our shopping online. Um, his, the example he used was, you know, if, the, if uh, FedEx or UPS or... Um, Postal Service or Amazon, whoever is delivering to my house, uh, you know, there's a person who, there's a package or something that I ordered, and then there's a person that delivers that package to my house. Well, then they drop it off and they leave. And he was comparing that to a lot of times how we see Jesus. A lot of us don't understand that we actually see Jesus as the deliverer, like he's delivering the package to us. Mm -hmm. He drops off the package and then he leaves. Well, think about that, whether it's your Amazon delivery or whatever it is, you don't care about the person delivering it. You don't care about that person. Right. You just want what they're delivering to you. Wow. You want what they're giving you. Mm-hmm. And he talked about so often, that's how we see Jesus. We see him as the delivery person that's bringing me this package that I want. And then I got the package. I'm like, oh, thank you. Leave and have a nice mm-hmm. day. And his point was, if we see Jesus like the delivery person instead of the package, mm-hmm instead of actually what we want, then we're not Christians. We're not saved. Mm. Um, and a lot of people, I think, live their life like that. They keep going to God, like he's this you know, cosmic Amazon, and we're putting in our request, and that's what we call praying, and we put in the request of health or wealth or whatever it is, and then we want that delivered to us. Um, and then when it doesn't get delivered to us, we get mad at the delivery, it's lost or somewhere. His entire point and my entire point, and I think Jesus and John's entire point in John chapter six is quit looking at me like that. I'm not that. I'm not the delivery person that's delivering this to you. I am the substance mm-hmm. of the stuff. So the good news of the gospel is we get God. Um, and I think so many times, even, and I've mentioned this in the sermons too, the way we talk about heaven, um, so many people describe heaven, but God is not in the description of it. Mm. It's a place. And I've said this before, and, and back in the day, people, you know, I had a few people get upset. Not upset, but like, oh, you're saying heaven's not a place? I'm like, no, heaven's a place. 
but heaven is way more about a person right. than it's a place. Mm-hmm. But that's not how we describe it. We describe it as, you know, streets of gold, pearly gates. Peter's not standing at the front. Uh, that's a Catholic tradition. With a, with a filing cabinet. Yeah, exactly. He's not there. He's not the one who holds the keys to it all. Um, and then our grandparents are there, or people we love, and our d- dead dog, all those things. Heaven is like, oh, I'm going to this place. And the point that I've always tried to make is Jesus didn't die to get us to a place. Jesus died to get us to a person. Right. So we have to be very, very careful in how we talk about Christianity and our faith and believe um, that we don't see God, uh, we don't see Jesus as a means to something else that we want mm-hmm. instead of God himself. Well, I, I think we've all experienced, I know I have certainly experienced the emptiness of going to Jesus for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going to Jesus as King, mm-hmm. going to Jesus as Lord, going mm-hmm. to Jesus as someone to magnify and to glorify. And this ties into one of our family culture statements. You don't get what you want doing what you want. Yeah. You get what you want doing what you need to do to get what you want. So if we're going to Jesus for our own purposes, mm-hmm. what what we want from Jesus, mm-hmm. that's not going to get us what we want. No, and, and I would even step back one step further and say, what is it that we want? Right. You know, um, that's really what we're talking about. And the principle you're saying is true um, regards to what we're talking about and the uh, idea of we don't get what we want by doing what we want, but by doing what we need to do to get what we want, which came out of a book that we read uh, called Aligned Thinking. But the question of the gospel is not just that or the question of the Christian life. Cause so many times about the Christian life, even that phrase, we don't get what we want by doing what we want, but doing what we need to do to get what we want. So let me, let me say it like this. If what I want from Jesus is a good life, mm-hmm. I want good things. Then I'll do what I need to do to get what I want. I'll go to church. I'll serve. I'll do all these things. And people do that mm-hmm. for decades and then they don't get what they want. And then they walk away. Right. Um, so the reason why I'm saying I would step back one step mm-hmm. is say, okay, actually, what do you want? Uh, and the, the point of John, or really the point of Jesus that John was trying to say in John 6 is Jesus will not have it any other way. Jesus, he is the bread. Mm. He is um, the, the juice. I mean, he, the wine, he, he is the substance of the things that we want. And so if Jesus is not what we want, then we need to really ask ourselves a hard question. Well, what is it that I want? Excellent. Um, and if I want things from Jesus instead of wanting Jesus, then I'm not a Christian. And that that's, sounds shocking to people at times. Yeah. Oh, it, and, and it, it, it is, but... We're not hearing that from culture. No. Well, and I think. And we're not even hearing that in church normally. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, culture, we're never going to hear that. But church is really. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a weird statement to say. Church sometimes is the worst place because it doesn't only teach us something that's wrong, um, it teaches us something that sounds so right, mm-hmm. but is wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obvious. It's like growing up. When I was growing up, I had to make decisions between bad things and good things. Mm-hmm. 
but the older you get, your decisions aren't as like, I don't, I'm not like, you know, am I going to do drugs today or am I not? You know, <laughs> now my decisions are not between bad things and good things always, but between good things right. and the best things. Um, so again, applying that to church, there's a lot of good things we can talk about in church. Um, I can talk about how to have a good marriage. I can talk about how to have, you know, parenting and all those things are important. And I'm not saying the church shouldn't talk about those. However, uh, the kind of the MO of churches probably in the last, and this really started, I think in the nineties. So the last three decades is church leaders felt like, well, I've got to talk about those things in order to get people into church mm. instead of just talking about Jesus and then show how Jesus transforms those things. We bought into this mentality is I've got to, we got to have better marketing. We got to, you know, we've got to talk about these other subjects. So I think a lot of people in churches, and this is what I was saying, church can be dangerous sometimes. They've been coming to churches and they know the five steps to a better marriage, the five steps to this or whatever, and they've done it. Um, but then at some point in time, something in their life fell apart mm. and they didn't have a foundation that Jesus was enough. Right. They didn't have a foundation that what they really wanted was Jesus, not something from Jesus. And I think that's where pastors and church leaders have to be so careful. Um, and I didn't come up with this phrase, but it was a phrase that I said at Revolution a lot when I first got here 11 years ago, is what we win them with, we win them to. Mm. So if we win people with clever sermons, crafty sermons, catchy sermons, that's where the whole idea of even sermon series came up. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just realized a long time ago, no one cares about a five-week sermon series on one thing, and then I'm going to do another thing, and another which is one of the reasons, primary reasons why we just teach through books of the Bible now, right. because we want people to be biblically literate. Um, and again, I have to be careful. I'm not, I'm not uh, being critical of churches that do those things. Um, but I just think you have to be very careful when you do those things. What are we actually trying to help people get? Um, at the end of the day, I don't want Jesus to be an add-on. Mm -hmm. To these other things. Jesus is the thing. And if you have Jesus and you live life Jesus' way, you will have a better marriage. You will prosper. You will be successful. Um, but not if you don't get the foundation right. So yep. and that fits so well into the Ask Pastor Jason segment, which you didn't know this was going to be the question. No. Uh, by the way, uh, if you're listening to or you're watching, uh, this is the Grow People podcast with Pastor Jason. Comments Emphasis on the. The, the. Uh, <laughs> comments and views expressed on this program are representative of the mission and vision. Oh, gosh, yes. Of Revolution yes. Church. <laughs> uh, so today's Ask Pastor Jason question is, why do you think Bible illiteracy is so rampant among believers? Man, that's a good question. Uh, do you say among believers? Yes. Um, I, well, I think part of it is what I just said. Um, you know, if you think about um, pastors and church leaders throughout church history, um, you know, when you go through the ages, whether it's the early fathers, you know, the um, that were pastoring churches that literally like were put in leadership by. Paul and Timothy and, and those, those early, early guys, you know, Tertullian, all the different ones, the big names. 
Uh, and then you go throughout history, you got Augustine, you know, and you just keep going. I mean, you see like giants, mm-hmm. you know, people that have shaped, I mean, the course of the church um, and theology and the Bible itself, you know, the canon. And you think about those, um, you know, throughout the century, and I could sit here and just, you know, name a bunch, but so part of it is you think about those now, we'll now name some from the 20th century or the 21st century. Um, now there's still incredible guys like RC Sproul and John Piper and Tim Keller and, um, you know, Wayne Grudem. I mean, there's so many, but what's missing a lot of times is back in the day, those guys were just pastors. They weren't theologians or, um, I mean, they were theologians, but they weren't just, uh, like these Titans that weren't pastoring local churches. So the reason what I'm saying is the quality of like, if you compare our pastors and sermon series today to what they were teaching then mm-hmm. you, I mean, you can see there's a difference, sure. you know, again, going back to what I just said, I mean, they weren't doing sermons on the five steps to a better life or whatever it was, right. you know, they were dealing with doctrinal issues and heresy. Um, but we, we kind of bought in, especially into the Western church. We bought into this concept that we've got to have marketing. We got to, you know, um, branding. And so I think it's two parts. I think the world shifted mm-hmm. to that, became very much more image conscious. Um, you know, the advent of technology and those kinds of things. And so there's so many more things that are vying for our time culturally. Um, which leads to biblical illiteracy. You know, um, people don't realize that literally the Bible, the printed book that we have was like an amazing technological advancement, right? You know, from the printing press and the Bible was the first book ever printed. And, you know, in the 15th century when it shifted, you know, cause for 1500 years, people didn't have the printed book. And so Christians were on the cutting edge of technology then and putting the Bible in the hands of people, which was a huge, was part of the, Protestant reformation that mm. broke off from the Catholic church was on that issue was people actually having the Bible and reading it for themselves. Mm. But that led to such a, you know, explosion of faith and, and multiplication, which was good. But in the inverse side in the last hundred years, I mean, technology has increased so crazy, uh, but it's been an information, but this time it wasn't like Bible centric. Mm. Right. It wasn't word centric. Mm-hmm. Um, it was world centric, if you want to say it like that. So in a lot of ways, humans have been captivated by a bunch of other information, not the Bible, mm. as this technological advance, you know, electricity came on the scene and and the internet, you know, all that stuff. So there's just so much that occupies our time. Then at the same time, I don't think the church has corresponded very well to that. And helping people using those tools to now help people dig into the Bible on a good front. I would say there's been a lot of tools that have been created here lately, you know, in the last 15, 20 years using technology to help people like the Bible apps yes. and all those mm-hmm. things. And um, so I've, I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. But I think one of the biggest reasons why people aren't biblically literate is either they're, um, church has just was being done differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was more about come and hear this person mm. than it was come and hear the Bible. Right. Um, 
and and that's why um, you know people who come here and and we've had over 800 first time guests since Easter uh, of 2021. Yeah, it's amazing. And when we talk to all of the first time guests because we call them all on Sundays, uh, we hear the same thing over and over again. I've been looking for a church that just preaches out of the Bible, yeah. that just preaches the word mm-hmm. because there's such a familiarity exactly in our culture of I probably have seven Bibles at home. Yeah. And then I have my phone and yeah. all the apps on my phone where I can access the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but I've shared this story before of uh, my wife living in China for a year and she gets into a cab and they give the cab driver a, a Bible and he starts to tear it up. Mm-hmm. Well, he's yelling and tearing up this Bible and they think, oh no, they're going to get arrested. They're going to wind up in a prison. And in broken English, he tells them, we don't have Bibles. Mm. I'm tearing it up so I can give pieces to my family. Mm. That's incredible. So there's a hunger for the word that we don't understand here because Absolutely. we have so much access to the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the point is, which goes back to what we were talking about, the hunger, that word that you, it's kind of funny. Like, let's relate that to bread. <laughs> you know, um, when I'm hungry, I will look for things, mm. you know, and so I, I do think there, in places like uh, China or you know other areas where it's illegal to be Christian, it creates a natural hunger. You know, it's the familiar. The phrase familiarity brings brings breeds contempt. If I'm so familiar with it, then mm-hmm. you know right. it's nothing. But if I'm not, so in places like there where there is no access to it, they want it. But in places like here where we have all the access to it, then we don't want it, um, or it's you know it seems nominal in our life. And so, yeah, I think that that's why I want to teach from the Bible. Um, I want people to have a hunger for the word of God because that is the one thing that God said he is going to bless and that will endure forever mm-hmm. is his word. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the part. And I think, again, that was a grace to me that I didn't grow up in church. Um, and so I didn't feel like I had baggage of that. And then when I got into church, I mean, what was attractive to me was Jesus. And so I've always just stayed there. I've never gotten over that. and. That is my commitment as the the pastor of Revolution Church, um, and hopefully beyond me being the pastor here, it will be our church's commitment to the Word of God. Um, I really don't care what the cultural fad is, because right. uh, it's going to change, mm-hmm. and what was cool yesterday is not cool anymore. So my goal is never to be cool, or uh, again, the word that I don't like a lot of times is relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm, and Rick Warren said this, if I'm eternal, I'm always relevant. The words of Jesus have power and have been blessed. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Holy Spirit hovers over to bring forth. Mm -hmm. So the the power has been vested in the word. And so therefore, and it's true whether I'm preaching or whether I'm reading it. Um, I can read an article on Facebook or I can read an article uh, or I can read a book and none of that's bad, but there's no power vested in that. Right. So the reason why Bible literacy is so important is the reason why people lack power in their lives is because they don't know the word of God. Mm. I mean, Jesus told that to the Pharisees when he says, your problem is you don't know the word of God. You don't know the power of God. Mm. And he was saying that to religious teachers. Right. Right. And, and I, I love how you phrased it, but you're encouraged. And, and I'm encouraged simply from the response of people. Cause I mean, if you, if you poll two or three people, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's not a, uh, that's not a, a synopsis of, of no. everyone. 
but you start polling hundreds of people who are coming to a church and you hear the same thing. We want the word. We want the word. We want the word. Yeah. It's very clear that 2021, 2020 and 2021 have forced people into there's only one place to go. Absolutely. As Peter said, where, where else are we going to go? Where else are we going to go, Lord? Yeah. Well, and I think, again, stepping back, and, and maybe we can address this because, uh, in fact, I just got a question this week about it. And one of those sermons the last couple of weeks, I referenced the end times and talking through that. And I had a question from somebody in our church about previous sermons I had done on that. But I was making the point of we have to be so, you know, when coronavirus first came on the scene and all these things happened, everybody is so quick to blame the devil. You know, everybody's so quick to, um, like, there's got to be some other reason why this is going on. It's not God. And again, we're getting into deeper theological stuff here, but my point to our church was simply that it is God. Uh, and that's what, the, what Jesus was saying to them when he said, I chose you and yet one of you is a devil. And his point was, is I'm controlling even that. Right. Even the negative thing, the worst thing that's ever happened was Jesus was betrayed by Judas, but Jesus was in charge of that. He chose the guy who did it. Well, that's God's sovereignty over it. And so going back to how the church responded, you know, the church or America specifically came out of, you know, in the eighties, there was a, we were very prosperous as a nun, as a nation a country. We came out of really bad inflation and, you know, a lot of things were going on that time. And so that led to this prosperity. And well, then out of that, the church gets very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I th- that's why I think a lot of churches were responding the way they were. And like we, they weren't dealing with real heavy stuff. Right. Um, I'm not saying there wasn't bad things going on in the world. There was, but then you look at, you know, September 11th, that kind of wakes us up and people are, and then now, you know, COVID. Well, I think it's so important for us to understand that what the Lord is doing in those things and how the spirit is speaking to us. And he's saying, listen, I I'm forcing you now. Right. Um, yeah. Who are you going to? Mm-hmm. Like, are you coming to me and my word? Or are you going to something else? Mm-hmm. Are you going to your bank account? Are you going to your job? Are you going to your health? You're going to your status because all that can be gone in an instant. And that's what was so shocking about, I think jarring to all of us was how quickly we could lose everything, Mm. how quickly everything can stop. I mean, you know, the run on toilet paper and all that stuff, you know, (laughs) we just kind of get lulled into sleep until we realize, Oh my gosh, I don't have toilet paper. Then it's a (laughs) crisis. Right. (laughs) Um, but even now the supply chains are disrupted. Everything is so disrupted and we're so unsettled by it. Well, I think the, what the Lord is doing that is the reason why you're so unsettled about it because your foundation was wrong before. Mm. Um, and so if you're so unsettled, then we, it just shows that we were going to something else other than Jesus, or we were going to Jesus, but for something else, Whoa. not to Jesus for Jesus. Um, but we've got to get to that place like Paul did where he said, listen, for me to live is uh, for me to, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Well, we don't believe that. Right. We don't believe that. Most people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, to where it's like, what are you going to, I'm good either way. Um, where we're like, no, 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 Jesus, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. I'm coming to you for these things. And if these, if I don't get these things, I'm going to walk away. Well, sometimes the best thing that Jesus can do for us is either A, give us those things so we see how shallow they are, right. or B, take all those things away from us to force us to say, are you really coming to me for me? Mm. 
Hmm. Bringing it full circle, coming to Jesus as bread. As bread, not as for bread. bread. Well, uh, lots of deep stuff today on the Grow People podcast. Uh, thank you, Pastor Jason. Uh, if you'd like a transcript of today's podcast, just write down everything we said. <laughs> uh, and we've been looking uh, for that joke never gets we, old. We've been looking for little tags for the end of the podcast, end of the show. Um, I'm going to try this one out. All right. Okay. This is one of your. I've fr- heard this. This is one of your phrases. So okay. it'll, we'll have to practice it where you end the podcast with this. Trust. Oh, I end it. Yeah. Trust God and take a nap. Trust God and take a nap. And is there any is there any better way to go into the rest of the day? No, no. Again, I wasn't a big nap nap taker before, but the whole idea of taking a nap is I I can't rest. I got to keep doing something. Um, Well, God built us to where we have to sleep and he's running the world. Um, So actually taking a nap is a sign of trust. Uh, So yeah, I like that one. Trust God, take a nap. Okay, that's it. 